The old world is ending. And we have the opportunity to rethink everything. This is a show about the systemic problems in our world. And the real solutions we have today. To transition from an apocalyptic storm of war, scarcity, and ecological collapse. To create an abundantly advanced collaborative society. That sustains all life. You may think it's an impossible dream. But the alternative is an inevitable nightmare. We're your hosts, Matt Holton, Amanda Smith, and Zachary Marlowe. And together, we can move past this economic absurdity and come together to actualize our collective potential to create something completely new. We are Mindless Society. Okay, so forgive any uh, machine noise or construction or just the general sounds of the world being ripped apart and put back together at worse than it ever was before. I'm in New York oh, City right now, one of the worst designed machines the human being has ever created at this gigantic waste of space and energy that's all designed to turn wonderful, beautiful, abundant, splendorous life into money. So that kind of brings us into the topic of today's episode, which is transitioning to a community-type society, transitioning to a new kind of city, a new kind of settlement, and a new kind of human organization altogether. So today we have the beautiful uh, operators of the Aravana Project, one of the better and more sophisticated sort of sister organizations out there that is working every day to create very detailed plans, blueprints, designs, and renderings of that other world that could be today. So uh, Travis and Elizabeth, welcome to the show. Um, I'd love to just kind of toss the rock your way and just let you take it away. What does it, what does it mean to transition to, in your words, a community-type society? And what is the Aravana Project about, and what are you trying to realize? So Elizabeth, you want to answer this? Or? Yeah, so uh, we're trying to, let me just take notes because all these questions are complex. Like any question about society is complex and needs to be thought of very deeply. So that's what we've been doing in concern to the topic of society. We've been thinking very deeply about what it means to be an individual human on this planet and how we can live in a way that makes us all feel more joy and love in our life. And I, I think that kind of like summarizes to a large extent what we're trying to build at the planetary scale for all of humanity. We are talking about a societal level system, societal level operating system. And uh, just like any current operating system that you currently use, it can be standardized and then operationalized. So we're trying to create and standardize through a set of socio-technical standards, uh, a way in which we can cooperate at the global level, at the societal scale. So we're referring to a specific configuration of society. So uh, there are different types of societies, and those types of societies systematically have different configurations. And so we can engineer and design a configuration of society that meets our human needs optimally, given the resources available. And so we are designing essentially a societal level standard. And this really hasn't been seen on the planet before. We do have tons of socio-technical standards, but they're very isolated, like the current type of society or the category 
of society we currently live in, the market state. And so like the market state, the standards that arise under market state conditions are very disunified. And we're creating a unified information system from which we can transition from this configuration of society to a different configuration of society that we might call community. And that's a society in which we live together cooperatively, contributing to an information and material habitat system where our, need, our common needs are optimally fulfilled. And we all flourish and we all have the greatest well-being possible given the information system and the material system on this planet right now. Poetry. First of all, thank you for the invitation and for this space. Uh, it's, it's really nice to be here with you all. And uh, for me, you know, specifically, specifically with like my background in architecture, um, I am like helping, I think, our direction more with like the material system and how we can like create community type society through developing a new habitat service system. So, yeah, it's, it's like that. Yeah. <laughs> about transition for me. And more about like the political approach as well. I think it's really important we talk about that. So, this is like, um, my work here and my contribution on Orobona. Uh, when we, we are talking about like this big proposal, you know, to change uh, super structure, you know, about society, uh, we are talking about like uh, big decisions. The, when we will achieve like this big scale through the politics, you know, so we need like, in my view, you know, we have like a lot of conversation about that because I try, you know, to include politics because for me, uh, during transition, uh, it's impossible, you know, to talk about transition without talk about politics. This is like my view and my point. And um, with that, I think we need uh, implement these standards, you know, through like the, the state and we get like a big scale. So. We can like, for example, with our blueprints, we are creating like a houses design and we can implement that and we can like construct a bunch of good house because uh, specifically here in Brazil, people uh, need like new houses. So this is like one example how we can like distribute like the good access for the people. So it's something like that i can talk more <laughs> later so yeah i think what elizabeth is saying is somewhat talking about is like transition to a specific configuration of society uh, a community configuration of society and elizabeth in particular is very interested in uh, a political transition because the way in which we can transition to this type of society, which is specified in four standards of social decision, material and lifestyle, um, has a project plan like any type of society. The market state has many project plans because there are so many businesses and states. But in a, uh, in a family type environment, we have a master plan for our living environment. 
And in that document, there is a transition plan because, again, we are transitioning from one configuration of society to a different configuration of society. And so you need to transition. And what do you need to transition? Well, you need to transition the state because you're talking about a configuration of the society where there's a state. You need to transition the market and you just need to transition the general population of what are known as consumers, you know, consumers, uh, employers, employees. So you need to, we need to transition. So Elizabeth, excuse me. So Elizabeth is very interested in uh, politics and, and essentially transitioning that state environment by having states adopt a different, uh, along with all the standards that they adopt for uh, social and technological uh, 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 developments, they can adopt a set of standards for community. And so we are working on that first version of standards that could be adopted because Elizabeth prefers to that part of the transition because all of this will require transition. So there's a transition team and Elizabeth sees herself just like you in from our perspective are working on our common direction and are part of the transition team. There's a transition team as is written in the documentation that's working on transition of the state, that's working on transition of the market, and then sort of working like kind of you are on transition of the entire like population, you know, but not working within the market necessarily or working partly, you know, but spreading your message out to the entire population. So, uh, two. Yeah, so uh, in our uh, new version uh, of overview, uh, the Oroboni standards, uh, I can try to show like this model transitioning like the whole structure of the market state for the community type society. So in that model, I think we can include here, we can see like all resources and people working uh, uh, toward like the community type society. So we have a model to explain that, you know, sometimes I don't know if I am, you know, using the best word. You're doing fine and great. And and if I may, I'd like to direct a question at you about your political uh, approach. I'm really curious to learn, is your approach the same as what we see our approach to building outside of the, uh, the money market? So at Moneyless Society, we have a general consensus that there's no benevolence to be appealed to within political structures, particularly American government. Um, and so when it comes to the monetary system, we feel the same way. Money's at the root of corruption. So why would we implement it in our future plans? We need to phase out of money. So is this transition a complete phase out of what we know as politics today, or does it retain some characteristics, such as here in America, as you probably know, we have the bipartisan model. And I can't see that being useful in the future in a money society because in short politics are engineered to be divisive not communal so so i know that's kind of like a really a multi-part question but can you sum up that vision for me how politics play a role in a moneyless society or future society before okay. before we do can i ask one quick question yeah. mm -hmm. can everybody here uh besides us will come last define politics in a single define politics with a single sentence Politics sure. is the commodification of human suffering to push a power agenda. Okay, As so we have today. one negative definite. We yep, we have one. Okay, what's the the other two? Uh, politics or theater that we buy tickets to with every vote. So another negative. Okay, third. <laughs> That's my mantra these days. <laughs> I would say politics uh, in general can uh, you know 
when I think about the term, I think of, you know, some governing body of people coming together to try to make decisions for public as a whole. Okay, one neutral. So, mm -hmm. Andy, what about you? Oh, me? Um, I don't know. To be honest, I do not know. Like, before I met Elizabeth, my definition of politics was also um, essentially negative uh, and was similar to the first two. That it's uh, basically decisions made by government and or state, the state, you know, the state can have different governments. Um, or that's Elizabeth Powell. Uh, so, uh, I don't know. It's like deci decisions, as decisions at the, at the government or state level. And, um, it's also for me has a negative connotation. Yeah. So, uh, I can like explain with my point of view. So, um, I, my background, is, it is like architecture. So the architecture like helped me to understand like the world through the material system. So I understand politics with um, decision of and inside society. Not today, the politics, I agree with you all, you know, politics in a market state is like a horrible because the decision is around like the power and money and every, and you know, the values is the problem in this case. So I understand, you know, people don't talk, don't like too much to talk about politics, but for me it is important because, um, you know, with like with my understand, uh, the politics uh, is taking like the word, you know, politics. Uh, it's coming from polis, 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 like in Greek. People. In, no, no, polis is cities. Polis, <laughs> polis is city. No grego. Como que é grego? Greek. Yeah, in Greek. Polis, you know, it's like old term, you know, the words politics, you know, we take like, we broke the words like polis and it and politics. Yeah, so I think all, all those words are kind of related, like police, politics, policy, they, they kind of yeah. all come from the same root, don't they? Yeah, no, but um, at least to a degree. the origin, the origin, the policies is like decision in society, in cities, in fact. So it's decision in city. So uh, over time, you know, when like the capitalism started like to, to growing, you know, so large, so so much, um, the policies, uh, the politics is like inside the market state. But for me, uh, we need to engage each human being. You know, we need people aware what's going on and people like engaging in the decisions. So and today we haven't. You know, the people's like, ah, I don't care about, you know, what these people is taking decision there, but they are taking decision, you know, and this is like, in fact, directly our lives. So how we create community without talk about that? You know, we need people like us, you know, taking decisions there in with a plan and with our standards, we can do that. We can organize people today. We have uh, overviews like we explain a lot. We need to distribute that and like help people be aware about society. In any case, um, you know, what you're saying about the whole politics thing, I, 
I tend to kind of look at it more as a neutral thing, I think, probably kind of agreeing a little bit more with you, because I see politics kind of everywhere in, in, in life in a lot of different forms and fashions. I mean, even within our own group, within Moneyless Society, I mean, there's there's kind of, you know, somewhat of politics in there. You know, we have people that are behind the scenes that are, you know, communicating and making agreements and, you know, branching out and networking with other people. And I mean, even that could be considered, you know, somewhat of a form of politics, because, I mean, we're you know, we have to make decisions that uh, are, you know, going to affect other people and other things, you know, that are outside of our group. And, um, you know, and 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 the more, I, in my opinion, the more people that can be involved with that process uh, and in and a, a way that facilitates, um, you know, education and uh, kind of grouping decisions together, you know, like it, getting people to come together uh, on, on the same page and making decisions, uh, you know, co commutatively or cooperatively. Um, and that, that to me is politics also, and it, and it can happen in a variety of ways. You know, politics doesn't just have to mean some governing body that's, you know, authoritarian in nature or something like that. It can be a group of people just working together to accomplish things, you know, and, and, and to me, it's more about the dynamics that are taking place within that group, essentially, is, is kind of the, you know, dynamics of politics in, in general. It's, it's kind of, you know, communicating about coming to decisions on what agreements you're going to make, what, you know, paths you're going to take forward, uh, your plans, future goals, uh, systems and structures that are going to be developed, things like that. All of this kind of plays into politics of various systems and various ways and shapes and forms. And, you know, it could be a good thing if it's implemented properly, or it can be a horrible thing if it's not implemented properly. And I think in our current system, we have systems and structures that don't allow those things to be implemented very well. But we also have the technology and the capabilities to create those systems and structures that would be able to, you know, have a much more holistic uh, type of politics, essentially, to where it's much more uh, community oriented, uh, cooperatively oriented, not profit oriented, you know, uh, not wealth and hoarding oriented, but working in cooperation with each other, with nature, in order to come to more, you know, group holistic decisions that are beneficial of everybody. So that's kind of my take on, you know, if you want to just sum up the term politics in general, without really, you know, putting a connotate or, you know, attaching it to our current socioeconomic system essentially. I actually completely agree with that. And um, I, 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 it brings me back to um, one of the be better educational periods in my life, right after I dropped out of school of college, <laughs> I had this roommate that was, uh, we spent a lot of time just watching movies and TV and just, just I just, I, and just looking at the world in a different way, putting applying a different lens, a different value set to the world. And his mantra was, everything is political, everything is political. And I, it brings me back to this sort of silly, uh, ineffectual battle cry of the sort of the so-called progressive left which is get money out of politics well it just really brings us to the point that you know well is water political is housing political is labor political because that's sure as shit for sale all of these things are for sale i mean everything that money courses through is political in that way and so money courses through politics so our politics today is the politics of the commodification of taking the living world and turning it into something that can be pushed as an agenda for ultimately the corporate power structure the corporatocracy the aristocracy you know and really the system itself the system itself cannot be changed to the point it it has to the gears have to rotate with a certain uh, regularity and consistency and speed and humans cannot be made to get in the way of that and so you know biden's 
uh, promise to his donors, his investors, his owners, that nothing will fundamentally change is, and, you know, people like Mitt Romney saying things like, uh, you know, that, that the system can't change. We can't change economic policy. And it's so funny that our political system, there's never conversation about the change to economic policy because the system itself is this crazy game structure that's based on destroying the world for profit. I mean, we, you're in Brazil right now, and I think there's no greater uh, explanation or explication of the political nature of nature in and just the disorder, the overall disorder of our society that in Brazil right now, the government, the, the state, the policy is all gained, geared around literally destroying Earth, the Amazon rainforest, the lungs of planet Earth, setting it on fire to turn into you know monocrops and factory farms that are going to be turned ultimately into you know fuel that's going to jettison pollutants into the atmosphere or food that is going to be shipped across the ocean to be turned into you know beef and soy and all this poisonous food that is just literally poisonous to us. And so that's that's it's interesting that you know talking about politics from the perspective of a country like that where the state is doing such irreparable harm and has to be reconciled with that we could go off and form our own little community type societies our own little uh, organiz organisms and bubbles and we could follow these standards and practices perfectly but if we don't form a sort of essentially power structure and an empowered people that can take on that system it doesn't matter what we do. We so we I totally agree oh. with you Elizabeth. We have to take on the political structure and we have to organize a new kind of politics. And I think really what you guys are trying to do in terms of sort of crystallizing these standards and practices and values into the material structure of what we're doing and how we're meeting our needs of how we're building, of how we're living, of how we're growing food, of how we're living together, that is ultimately going to determine the power that the people have. So the point is, uh, in Brazil, I think uh, you are totally right. You know, the government, the current government here is like a disaster, a complete disaster. And I am like the number one, you know, to say like, no, Bolsonaro. Uh, so <laughs> the point is why we have a Bolsonaro here in Brazil taking these decisions so badly, you know. The point is, uh, it is because the alienation. People here is like totally ignorant, totally. So they know they don't. Uh, they can be manipulated really easily. You know, like the same thing happened in the U.S. with Trump. You know, with fake news and this stuff. So today we have a Bolsonaro here because they have power and money behind him. You know, to invest to put that this guy there. And my point is um, a transition. So these guys currently like in the power today, they can uh, to help us uh, somehow, you know, to arrive in communities, you know, somehow, or they can like not help us. So this current government in Brazil is like, diff you know, uh, creating difficult time for us to create community. We, we are like far, you know, you know, uh, farther with, uh, farther. See. Yeah, we are like farther than community with this government, you know, with like four years, this crazy guy is taking bad decision, you know, and not in fact, just badly in Brazil, but all world, you know, so. Yeah, the Amazon so, rainforest so is, sorry, real quick, the Amazon rainforest, mm -hmm. the transpiration that comes out of that forest goes up into the sky and forms these right. rivers of liquid water of, of, of precipitation that ultimately end up in California. So the, the living systems of the earth are all so connected.
so intimately connected. So the notion that these individual nations can exist and have sovereignty over their territory, oh, we can burn our part of the world because it doesn't affect you. And the other countries of the world aren't going to do anything about it because, oh, that doesn't affect me. That's your forest. But it's absolutely not. The whole, all the ecosystems of the world are completely interconnected. Right. I was just going to say, it sounds like you would agree then, then the people that we need in, for lack of a better term, but to be relative power, making decisions, they should be well-informed and skilled in these decisions that govern these systems of life versus people who are appointed via popular vote and status quo. And what I'm most excited about is delve into your transition plan per the politics uh, expansion and see if it does entail a vision where we take people such as I mentioned that are just there because they have the money and they're popular and they got voted in and remove them and put people in places of resource management because they, they have the relative knowledge to do so adequately and sustainably. Wow, I think you said it perfectly. Thank you. I think I've that been... is the transition plan right there. That's it, right or there. part of the transition plan. Well, I got it nice. from the Venus Project. I mean, like that's yeah. one of the things that I really latched onto when I started um, diving into their plans is the fact that they could see through the curtain of today's power structures and the fact that all that's standing behind it are some people with the money and the power to call the shots, not the knowledge and not even the empathy. Just just the people that made their way up there and are maintaining that, that place for themselves. And how long do you think that transition is going to take? Well, you know, it comes down to a paradigm shift, I believe. A paradigm yeah. shift of the collective. And, you know, I... I don't, I could be wrong. And, and I honestly can't even perceive what that's going to take, let alone how long. But one would think as things increasingly, uh, increasingly get more and more dire uh, for the human race and, and other uh, species, um, that we would just catch on and do something about it. But as we've seen over decades and over the past three years, it doesn't, it's like that movie. Um, oh, with the comment, Oh, what's his, what's his name? What's the, yeah, don't look up. It, it's, it is so incredibly accurate. The yeah. comet is climate change. The comet is the monetary economy. The comet is politics as we know it. Uh, <laughs> so so. I, I have a question for you. We're kind of talking about this transition thing right here. So um, I haven't gotten the chance to read all of these. Yeah. Oh, thank you. There, there are more now. Wow. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you guys um, are insanely prolific. You got, you got to about, you guys. That I is mean, literally, there's investment. like, what, probably 2,000 pages here or something of, of, of documentation that you have put together on how to develop these systems and projects and, and everything else. Um, I mean, it's really amazing. I, 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 I've, I haven't had a chance to go in depth, but I've noticed through it and some of just the details and everything that you've, that you've gone through and taken the time to just meticulously, uh, you know, list in, list in these books here is just, you know, incredible. I, I don't know how you found the time to really do all this. In my opinion, you've probably done more work uh, to to put this movement forward than <laughs> damn near totally anybody agree. else. I mean, maybe, you maybe made with the, the exception of like Jacques Fresco or or possibly right. Peter Joseph, but that's about it. <laughs> but my transition plan was like three pages. <laughs> like, step one, step two. Yeah, step it's three. Like five five steps and three pages. <laughs> but I mean, we kind of some. I'm, I'm kind of curious to hear, like, if you can kind of sum up your transition plan, and if it comes kind of close to what we've been talking about, um, which is what what we've been kind of throwing the idea around lately of an idea called universal basic goods and services that we would like to. 
um, essentially try to create a system of cooperatives that comes together. So equal equal ownership, democratic, uh, democratically owned, uh, kind of like work, live, play communities, essentially, or what we what we're you know, that's our goal for the long term, what we're trying to build here, work, live, play communities that are equally owned, equally operated, democratically run. And then these communities can for, you know, kind of join together and network to eventually provide each other with a system that provides universal basic goods and services. Now, like most people have probably heard of Andrew Yang and the whole universal basic income. So we're just like, you know, get rid of the income part and just give people what they need, essentially, right? Housing, clothing, food, shelter, water, so on and so forth. Um, and and I, I think that that might be kind of a possibility to, to go in that direction. And a lot of people kind of seem on the same page with that. I was wondering if and how that aligns with your transition plans at all there. And uh, if it is close, uh, you know, maybe you could elaborate on that a little bit. Um, you know, if there's some differences or variances in there, I'd kind of like to hear about that as well. So let me just restate what you said. Sure. Uh, you're uh, working on the development of a system of cooperatives where people live in workplace communities where there's equal ownership, they're equally operated, people are essentially working together. These workplace communities are networked and they give people what they need. Is that like exactly. a good summary? Pretty much. Okay, so um, I'll break this down. Uh, system of cooperatives. When you essentially you're talking about cooperatives, you need to think in terms of what we're transitioning from. You're transitioning from the market and you're transitioning from the state. The state might take longer to transition from necessarily than the market. So when you're talking about cooperatives, typically the word cooperatives is used in the context of the market. You have market cooperatives, which have a set of um, state level agreements that you know individuals have signed off on. Um, so then you have then you could think in the future about state cooperatives, um, like the European Union, which doesn't appear to be doing so well at the moment. But you know you have the the different state cooperatives, and even like the state cooperatives in terms of national states themselves, and then between national states cooperatives, uh, work play work live play communities when you use the word community in this context oravana would refer more to habitats work play live live habitats because you're working living and playing in a material environment and concept of community is more ex is is total expansive um so it would be work play habitats so yes that's what we're trying to do and if if we could bring up the website uh, we don't have to do that right now, but if we brought up the website, you could see there's a list of current habitats. I'd like to put other habitats on there, ones who have and are releasing their specifications for this work, let, play, live environment freely. I mean, the specifications for the habitat, what Elizabeth's primarily working on, the objects, the processes, the work groups, what needs to be done in the habitat. So we have habitats and community would be what we're networking, essentially, kind of later down, you talked about networking. We're networking these habitats into a larger, eventually will be on this planet planetary, it might take some time, environment where everything's equally owned. When you talk about um, equal ownership, equally operated, in community, of course, there's equally operated, but the concept of ownership, all resources are the common heritage of all people. So ownership would be um, 
possibly occurring during transition and you would have the market transition where ownership turns into cooperatives as you you know as you as you said in the first the first part of this of this statement um and so then the the, the state also is an owner right so the states like definitely when you when here in brazil when you buy land um what is it 25 20 percent how much of the land is uh needs to be set aside for reserve uh, between 12 and 15 percent of the land so when we're looking at buying land here in brazil 12 and 15 percent needs to be set aside and you can't do anything with it so you know i don't own it that cooperative market you know business that's under the state doesn't own it who owns it the state i can't like we were looking at land here for example and i'm thinking hey all this great land that you know is dedicated to reserve we could do something with it. You can't do something with it because it's mm. state owned. So there is still ownership during transition until we have a master, essentially a master plan, which is what these habitats are composed of for the total environment. And of course, we're working together. And what really is working together? Contribution. We aren't working together in the market state. Um, you know, we're employed by an employer and then we consume. So in, in community, we talk about contribution and this is discussed in the project, uh, project, the, the trans, the project plan, project execution, because the project execution is broken into two, two documents. It's discussed in the project execution, the sub sub document for the project plan and the lifestyle, because in community, what are people doing? We literally are, we're really working together and what's working together. You have to contribute can't be coerced you can't be extrinsically rewarded with money or uh or some sort of uh privileged access so and then of course we're networking we're networking what systems we're networking two systems we have an information system and we have a material system we're literally networking two systems so we're not only networking the habitat which you're describing people developing these workplace living community habitats but we're also developing you know, a network because we can do more, we can optimize more, we can become better, we can live better in an optimized network where we're all working together and that entails co contribution and to give people what they need. So people are giving themselves by contributing what they need for their whole life, for all phases of their life. And the phases of life are, are similar right now in the market state to what they are in community there. And this is important because this is a very significant section of the lifestyle system. There are three phases. There's the same phases we have now, education. What we have now is contribution or employment and then leisure or retirement in the market state. So we have three phases. And uh, so we're not necessarily giving giving people, people are creating uh, an environment where they are fulfilled. Um, and so need fulfillment, I guess, is like paramount uh, in terms of defining what needs are and then uh, ensuring that they are fulfilled both at the information and material level. Travis, when I read your writing and when I look at your graphs and charts and hear you speak, I just think like, just can we just plug this guy in? He is the AI. He is the AI, <laughs> the benevolent, artificially intelligent overlord. <laughs> Listening plug to him both in. of them, I feel like we're interviewing the people with the key to Atlantis. Like they have the blueprints for the future. They've put in the work. I, I can't even wrap my head around about how, about how detailed they are, how extensive they are. Like, 
we've got it. It's ready. Just go. Let's do it. Let's start right now. And but unfortunately, it's not that easy. I was just going to say, sort of in in reading your writings and um, delving into it, I I love it. It's like pure poetry to me. It it um when I share it to people, I shared it with a friend, and he was like, "Dude, what the fuck? This is it." It was like, yeah, it just completely blew his mind. And I think it's really powerful stuff. But I I sort of imagine one of the the hurdles here, and this is the general one of the general hurdles in general. I mean, you were just saying that uh, there are people. Or you posted this on social media that there are people in your community that are burning garbage into the air, and there's ashes, an ash of garbage is falling on your on your cheek like a fucking snowflake, you know. And this this just really epitomizes the level of ignorance of the people, the uh, level of of. I don't know. It's like the wool has been pulled over our eyes so completely. And it's not that people are stupid. It's not that people are uh, unable to imagine and conceive of these sorts of things, especially when they grow up within them, when they are the, 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 they're our home, you know, when it taking care of these things. I think things it's a level are, of defeatism in action. Well, so my question is essentially, how do you explain this sort of transition uh, in a simple way? And in a way that that somebody can't just say, oh, well, that sounds great. You know, either either they don't understand it and they're just they just kind of. Or they I could imagine people say, well, that's that's all utopian, you know, that's uh, that's all impossible or, yeah, it would be nice if things were like that. But we live in the real world. How, right. How so I'll just it? respond to that. And then Elizabeth, do you want to respond to that? No, no, you. Uh, well, you. <laughs> uh, so we just uh, we just posted our next release on Reddit, and that was uh, that was the biggest, like probably the most number of people saying it's a dystopia or it's some sort of utopia, one or the other. There were a lot of other negative comments. In fact, it was probably mostly negative. Uh, when I looked at the site analytics of people coming to the website, uh, the majority of the people visiting the website, as one might imagine, because Red Reddit is sort of American, but they. The, uh, the majority of people coming to the, uh, the website were from the USA. And so uh, there was an overwhelming uh, idea that it was, uh, you know, dystopic or utopic. Um, mm -hmm. or what, did you, what did you post on there? What was it exactly? Oh, I just, I, I made kind of like, a, you know, it was mostly the heading because we just released the next version of the standards mm. uh, or the unified standard. And mm. so I was just, whatever, I'll post it on Reddit. So... Uh, a friend of mine introduced me to Futurology, uh, the, the the Reddit, the subreddit Futurology. So I've kind of been following that. We entered a, a competition recently by worldbuilding.ai, I think is the website. And so that helped us advance the project quite a bit, this competition. And uh, that my friend found it on Reddit. So I, and he found it on that, that uh, subreddit. So I began following them and I was like, whatever, you know, I'll just post it on Reddit. Um, so it's the most the most like views we've had. It was very interesting. But the the in terms of the commentary, the commentary they were calling us, you know, the, the normal isms type names and uh, saying that it was a dystopia or a utopia. And I can imagine uh, people who have the perception that most people do growing up in the market state thinking that way, particularly if they come from specific countries and. Uh, yeah, it's that's just so that's kind of like a, a snapshot of a specific subset of the entire population, kind of what they thought. So a uh, real quick pause here. I just want to kind of direct everybody um, to do a couple things, maybe to help us support us uh, at this at this stage before we kind of get into the last leg of this little episode. Just kind of subscribe, like, share, comment, tell us your thoughts. You know, just it, that shit really helps us. It helps us beat this monstrous algorithm that's keeping the truth out there. 
Um, and um, after this video, we'll link in the description the uh, video that I made a couple of weeks or months ago that I, I used a lot of Travis's um, organizations, Orvana's uh, illustrations. It's called Futurism, Not Utopia. And it's a speech by Murray Bookchin from the 70s where he really digs into this idea of futurism that really predominates so many people's vision of what the future is. And it's not truly rethinking how we live and how we see the world. It's, it's saying, okay, you got a, a building with 100 stories make it a thousand stories you know it's, it's this elon musk attitude of like applebee's on mars or like the bezos you know floating space donut habitat you know you take this attitude that we have and project it into the future you don't change the attitude you don't change your values you know we're not actually moving toward this you know star trek inversion of our values this shift away from money and profit and selfishness and you know this this consumeristic attitude that your self-worth is wrapped up in the things that you own because I think that's a lot of people's aversion to something like this. They think, oh, everyone shares everything collectively. They instead of hearing like, oh wow, we actually have all, all we all have more because of that, they think, you're gonna take away my stuff. Because people really think that the couch that they're that they're putting payments on every month or the television that they don't really own that's immediately obsolete the moment it comes out, or their cell phone that they're putting payments on, like like this credit system that this that's so unfree, that is so fucking tyrannical and dystopian. That we really live in this dystopia that we can't really see. We can't even understand how how truly whack all of it is. And so a lot of people in, interact with a new vision of something that's so beautifully thought out, that's so scientific, that's so organized and orchestrated, and that would that would just clearly work better for for the average person. You know, not even in like transitioning this 100 years into the future. If we built these kinds of habitats, even people you know, trying living in these habitats, working in their regular job, whatever, their life would be better. They would be more connected to humanity. They'd be more connected to nature. We would be uh, healing the environment as we do these things, as we grow our food, as we create buildings, as we make materials, that this is the shift, that it, it really is an optimization of everything in an upgrade. It's not a downgrade. It's not a regression. It is a transition to a truly different way of thinking. And it's not impossible. It's not a utopia in the derogatory sense, uh, what, what you two are building and trying to explain. And I just wanted to back up a little bit and say, and as I'm sure you know by now, not to be discouraged by negative comments, because even if in the moment people will deny what you're doing has importance and is valid, it is planting a seed. They will hopefully come back to that moment at some point and go, but you know what? That's eating at me. Now I'm wondering why. Why did I have that reaction? Why did I feel that way about that statement, that plan, or what have you? And that goes back into the paradigm shift I was mentioning earlier. I, I, you asked, how do we get there? And I just don't know how else we will get there without a paradigm shift of sorts, a re-education, um, an unindoctrination uh, of, of, the, you know, of people that are used to the market system. And so used to it, in fact, that even contemplating living any other way, regardless of how much better it would be, seems ridiculous and pointless. That is like the most defeating thing ever. It's like everybody about. wants to change the world. Everybody wants, you know, knows this shit is, is going to kill us all, but they really don't want to change. They don't want to change anything actually fundamental in the way that they think and act and orient themselves. I remember when we released that beautiful episode. Uh, five steps to save the world, which like mm -hmm. I poured so much like revolutionary optimism into that. And I really felt like this is it. Like we've really articulated a, a big picture shift and an answer, you know, that that really fully being able to articulate like the transition to a resource-based economy, to a sensible, sane, ecologically balanced, liberatory system that I really felt so powerful about that and sharing it to people. 
I sent it to one person and it really like it upset her. And she basically said like, like this isn't a transition. And I was like, well, it actually is. You're just saying there's, this isn't a transition within the existing system. Like we can't keep the existing system and transition to something else, even though, you know, all of our plans are, are not disconnected from that, that we're really working in that space of transitions and this season of our show. And I think, you know, just as we progress going forward, it's, we're moving out of this, this attitude that I think a lot of people in the resource-based economy, micro niche on the internet, think that we just need this level of awareness to, to proliferate and then we'll just transition, we'll just shift. Well, that's not how it works. We have to actually build steps to this. We have to build mm -hmm. uh, renderings of this. I mean, your, the renderings that you do, I think are very powerful because they show people, but we need to build these things in a, in a scalable model, a minimum viable product that people can see and just say like, oh, 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 oh I get it, I get it now because people, we really lack the imagination to get out of these problems. That is one of the biggest single problems that we have is that we're so stressed. We're so chained to the wage grind and to just the busyness of every day of like, oh, I gotta go do this and I gotta go do that, I gotta pay my bills, that we really can't disconnect and really disassociate from this insane paradigm to one, see how fucking mm. silly and crazy it is, and two, to really imagine something else. Yeah. Uh, yeah. To kind of piggyback on that a little bit, if you don't mind, it's just a little bit of the research that I've been doing to, to finish up my book lately. It was kind of looking at the, uh, you know, the, the critical mass or kind of tipping point that we would need to reach uh, in order for that to happen. And most of the time it's between about 10 to 40 percent. Uh, it kind of settled on a number around like 25 percent or so of people actually like living a new lifestyle. Uh in order for it to really catch on and then and then for it to become, you know, an increased rate of adoption to, for people to actually start living that new new lifestyle for everybody to eventually transition. But I mean, imagine what that means. So we have 300 million people here in the United States, 25% of those people, even 10% of those people would be 30 million people living this new lifestyle. How long is it going to take for us to get 30 million people to live and, you know, build and live in these communities and adopt this new lifestyle, you know, in order for that just to be, you know, the point where it starts to reach a critical mass or tipping point. And that's only 10%. I mean, even, even in say, say LA, you know, a city of what, 10, 15, however, I don't know what the population of LA these days, I'm sure it's absurd. But how many millions of people, even in just one city, you know, would, would there have to be in order shifting over to that lifestyle? We have a lot of work cut out for us because people aren't just going to adopt this mindset without seeing it in action, without actually seeing it physically working. And that's kind of one of the most frustrating things for me over the long term is people are like, no, we just need to kind of increase awareness and do this. I'm like, no, we need to demonstrate this. And that's going to be a key to increasing awareness. People need to come see and experience this firsthand. They need to see that this actually can work. It needs to be proof of concept and experimentation, experimentation, development, uh, you know, trial and error. That's that's essentially what it's going to be. Uh, and, and what works in Los Angeles isn't going to work in, you know, Portugal or Alaska or Hawaii necessarily. It's going to be different depending on where you are, uh, you know, the ecology and the, the different uh, you know, just all these different circumstances geographically and, and, uh, and whatnot. So it's just massive amounts of time and work and effort to build these new systems, to try to get them up and running, to experiment with them, to show them to people, uh, you know, and so on and so forth. We have tons and tons of work and effort and a short time to do it, in my opinion. 
just to piggyback off of that again and complete the piggyback and turn it into a leapfrog, <laughs> <laughs> I, I'll give you some even more optimistic numbers than that. So uh, in Erica Chenoweth's uh, and the, the team that she worked with's book, um, Why Civil Resistance Works, and a lot of other re uh, research that's gone into uh, regime changes and mass movements, that the number that they've come up with that is a safe bet for basically people gathering together and saying, fuck this shit, and overturning their governments, the number is around 3.5%. That that, and it's not a standard, of course, it's not the same everywhere, but that number of that many people, let's say in America, I'm not good at math, I'm not going to do that, but that's not that many people. It's a few million people, but it's really not that many people. That if, if those people can come together and take that, the weight of that humanity and throw it at the scales, then we can push toward a change. But in that event, then we need to actually know where we're going and what we're transitioning to. So say right. we had millions of people that are like, all right, I'm not going to work. I'm not going to you know, participate in this system. I'm going to non-comply. I'm going to do this in an organized way. I'm going to basically take this to the doors of power, the halls of power. I'm going to rob the corporations of their ability to do what they do. And we're going to you know, basically say enough is enough. We're not going to continue uh, throwing our bodies into the, the, this, this wheel that's killing the planet. We're going to stop what we're doing. If that happens, we still need a place to go. Yeah, and I then think the system collapses. <laughs> and then, and Without a plan, went. it sure does. <laughs> that's the problem. I think. Sorry, Zach, go ahead. Well, that's also the problem with, with decoupling from fossil fuels is that our whole economic system is a bubble in a bubble in a bubble. And it's all speculative. And so these shockwaves, sending these shockwaves through the system reverberates into the imaginary structure of the market of the of you know the money machine that has to grow exponentially that that if it contracts even a little bit there's recession and depression and unemployment and millions of people losing their jobs and their lives and so i think a big part of that of getting people to transition out of that sustainably is to create these islands of sustainability and wellness these these little garden cities where people can actually transition out of the system without the, the ground falling out from under them, without this being some big chaotic thing. We can one model change, show people, look, this is a small scale version of what we need to do across the board. We can do it. Look, it works. People aren't lazy. Basically, the, the, the problem is, and the problem in all areas is that we are completely wired into this, this insane, you know, I'd call it a survival trip, but it's really more of like a death drive. We're, we're stuck into this death drive of the speculative economy. We have this parasitic relationship between states and markets where they are completely, you know, codependently, <laughs> parasitically connected. And it's, it's hard to transition, it's hard to decouple. So yeah, I mean, it's that there, there's just a lot of questions overall that that are scary to people and that, that it doesn't seem like there's a lot of hope to do that. And it's like, when, when I read and engage with what people like you're doing, or, or when I look at like things like the Venus Project, or other system designs like this, it's like, Okay, the actually the, the the it's not that complicated. This these are all physics problems. Even issues of climate change that seem really scary and existential are problems of physics and engineering to a degree. They're problems of, of restoring ecology. They're it's possible to fix these things. It's possible to uh you know create technologies in ways that are not extractive that it can actually regenerate. It's possible to do all of these things. That's not 
the real scary thing. That's not really the, the question. The question is, how do we get out of this abusive relationship? How do we, you know, wean ourselves off of this? What's the methadone to the to the heroin or crack cocaine that is capitalism? Like, how do we, where do we fucking, I think Amanda had a question too. I, I don't know. I, I don't, I don't have the answers there. That's kind of like a viewer at home. That's up to you, really. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, well, my question just piggybacks off of what you're saying. And essentially, I want to know if, if like, let's say everybody just all of a sudden agreed. Yeah, this is the plan. This is, this is what we need to be doing. Erevana, pick it up and run with it. Would you say your plans are ready to implement? And, and how would we begin? What would be the first step? Yeah, so um, the documentation we're working on, like all documentation towards sociotechnical standards uh, in the world is living. So, and as one of the developers, I would probably always say, oh, well, we need to continue developing uh, and it's not ready yet because at least at the present point in time, in, from a developer standpoint, I would, my perspective would be that it's not ready. Elizabeth and I were, uh, are trying to think about implementing this because from the operational perspective, uh, I do think it's ready. In community, there is the operation of essentially two teams. And then transitioning to community, there is the operation of a third team, a transition team, like you are on right now and we are on right now, working toward our common direction. But in community, there are two essential teams. There are people working in the information system or on the information system, and there are people working in locally customized habitats. And so we have the, you know, if you're thinking about building the house, we have the architecture, you know, we have the vision, we have the direction, we have the, if you're looking at it, like we're engineering a different type of society. First, you have the vision, you have the drawings, and then you begin filling everything in. So you begin filling in the water system. You begin filling in all these subsystems of the habitat. I can tell you what the documentation is missing, but I can also tell you that it is possible to begin transitioning because we now know what we are transitioning to. So I started this project because I was advocate, you know, I found out about the Venus Project and uh, I began, I, the Zeitgeist Movement sort of introduced me more greatly to these ideas, which I've kind of had for a while. And so I began pursuing, I, 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 my, my, one of my uh, graduate degrees is in um, essentially developing better educational environments. And I was planning when I first began this project to develop an educational institution where I could work on the curriculum, the, the, the learning system, and essentially provide that as part of this educational, you know, organization. And so that's I began exciting. looking at, sorry, what? I was going to say, that's exciting. I had a oh. similar idea not long ago. I was telling our volunteer teams, I said, I, I feel like just dropping everything in my life and writing curriculum about how to start transitioning starting from the point of just educating people on how to meet their basic needs, because that's what our system doesn't do. But go on. I'm sorry. No worries. But yes, that's exactly what our system doesn't do efficiently. And uh, because of that inefficiency, there's unnecessary suffering. So we were so I was thinking about develop and I began looking around at all the information that was out there. Um, and I wasn't looking a lot at the uh, socialist communist information. 
Um, so I was more looking at the resource-based economy information, the people who define this sort of that sort of perspective. Um, and so I, I was pulling in a lot of information from that. And I found that I couldn't develop the curriculum because I, I had been promoting this direction, resource-based economy, um, a, uh, yeah, that's really the language I was using, uh, uh, you know, an abundance-based economy opposed scarcity, whatever. I was promoting this. And then I began working on the curriculum and I found out I didn't understand it. I couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't visualize, I couldn't engineer, engineer, I couldn't architect the system. I couldn't develop the curriculum. Was it because there didn't seem to be a transitionary step? Because that's always been my perspective. And I think that you guys obviously are offering up the missing piece of the puzzle. Yes, uh, that too. But there weren't the standards out there for the concept of operation and the actual operation of the system itself. Gotcha. Um, So I... So yeah, there weren't the standards and there was no transition as well. If you began looking at transition proposals, they were, they, you know, because there was no, there was no definition and complete explanation in a unified integrated manner of the, you know, of what we are actually working toward, um, you know, that final drawing. And so I, so I began working on integrating my, one of my under my undergraduate degrees in research and intelligence analysis. So I just began integrating like I've been trained to to the information that was out there um, that potentially could uh, develop the concept of operation of this type of society that I had been promoting to people and saying, oh, no, this is totally possible. We can do it. And they're saying it's not possible. And I couldn't explain the concept of operation of it or the technical operation. So we de- we've developed a set of standards and now we can begin working on transitioning. Um, and I definitely think it's possible to begin adopting and implementing parts of the standards now, depending upon where you are and your own interests in life. Yeah, in terms of the architecture you know, planning, um, we are like in a executive phase, you know, for the first house. So we are budgeting out. Budgeting out. Budgeting out. We are yeah. budgeting out. All like the object and like the costliest and like the discrimination of everything we need to build mm-hmm. the first house. And when we have like this first one, we can create like a uh, more designs for house, you know, and like just to recalculate like the dimensions and everything. So in terms of like the plans, yeah, we already have it. We already have the the planning um, to construct like the first prototype. So we can do it now. We are um, trying to find land here. And I think that hopefully we will have like the first habitat service system. It sounds like you all would be able to provide the best example of uh, a demonstrable uh, community. I'd, yeah, I'd like to add to that. So we're, we're just working on one one version or, a, you know, one potential configuration. There are a lot of other people out there working on other configurations of these habitats. And essentially, we're talking about an environment that produces some sort of an abundance of food, fuel and fiber. And uh, in that habitat, in that environment, people don't li- need to live with money. And the uh, that habitat is part of a standard and that standard, that's that primary standard, is the uh, material system, and that habitat is essentially described and uh, 
drawn and um, you have all the objects listed, you have all the processes listed, you have everything listed so you can begin doing calculations. Because again, in the live-in community, you have a real, you have a model and information needs to feed into that model. And from that model, we live in an operational environment like Elizabeth is currently developing. And uh, that material habitat environment that we live in has objects, processes, and we begin, we do the drawings, we do the simulation, and the way in which people are going to come to a greater understanding of this in the future, if they don't read the documentation or they don't like us have some sort of, you know, we just kind of, for some of us, we just kind of see it and we understand that that's kind of the way we will live in the future. But a lot of people, it's very difficult right now. And so we can present an operating virtual simulated in the future, or someone will, if not us, our project, an open source virtual simulation, like using the sort of architecture that Elizabeth is working or any person is working. And so uh, you can see the objects list, you can see the processes list, you can see the work that needs to be done. You can see the, the entire system. You can see all the material, you can see everything, and then you can see it operating transparently. And that will not only be, there are many organizations probably that are out there doing that, but they are not sharing their information. So if these uh, eco-villages or habitats want to begin operating in community and aligning with standards in which the project execution actually, one of section of the project execution describes uh, alignment with the standards, then they're sharing their information system at a global level so that we can all duplicate that. So it's not, a, so a lot of people are working on these habitats and uh, go ahead. That's, there's this lack of like interconnection and solidarity between peoples. I, I'm of this, oh, I'm of the uh, belief that there are enough people, you know, we don't no longer have the excuse. Oh, not enough people get it. Not enough people understand enough people get it. And there are, avenues of, of transition. There are pathways, there are solutions in the world today. They're just not, as uh, William Gibson said, the future is now, it's just not evenly distributed. And I think that's happens, that's that's true in a dystopian sense too of climate change, you know, where we're experiencing global cat catastrophe, you know, birds falling out of the sky in India, you know, uh, wildfires, droughts, all of these things are happening in the world right now. We don't, maybe that you're not, they're not happening right where you see them, but they're happening in the same way. This oasisification of Earth, of the human habitat, is happening in eco-villages, in organizations and communities. A lot of them are not aligned to that final piece of the puzzle, though, in getting out of the profit parasite, in moving away from this you know, fundamentally anti-ecological uh, system of me first, not you, not us. They don't really recognize the interconnection, and they're trying to push their version of something that they can then sell or that they can just keep as their own so that they have the, this competitive edge, but we really fundamentally need to move beyond that. And so, yeah, that's, yeah. There's, there's, always, there's always so many questions that come up when, when we talk about these things. When we, the, the more clear it gets, the more questions there are. And I think that's a good thing because it shows that we're not trying to create utopia in that there is some place that's perfect, that's always there. As Jacques said, you know, utopia is dangerous because the, the cities he designed would be straitjackets to this, the kids of the future because we need to create something that's perpetually changing. My question for you that I wanted to ask, I'm sorry, I got off on another tangent there. I, I don't know, I got some pent up, uh, you know, need to express myself or something, was how do we, um, or are you planning on taking all this information and data 
and all these standards and practices and actually creating an open source system, a digital system that can integrate all this information into a platform that isn't so hard for a human being to calculate because that's, I personally struggle when I read your shit to just hold it all in my head, you know? <laughs> um, you know, and AI will continue to develop and uh, in the future, likely on this planet, we will have an AI coordinating a lot of our systems. Um, maybe, maybe not, I don't know. Um, so we could put the information into an AI and see what it comes out with. I was uh, curious, but, Travis, have you ever heard of um, the Society Library? I have not. No, it's, it's kind of a project that's documenting, uh, essentially their goal is to document all different viewpoints and perspectives of society and catalog them uh, into a single source. So there is okay. a library essentially of all kinds of different uh you know, just essentially viewpoints, like, you know, a conservative viewpoint, a liberal viewpoint, blah, blah, blah. And then just kind of describe those things and all the viewpoints and little nuances of them. Uh, and to kind of essentially like categorize and list all these different viewpoints of society and different uh, perspectives and things like that. And I'm thinking, you know, that's actually a project that I listed in my book. And it's something that I think would probably, you know, coincide with uh, what you're talking about. It kind of like what your question was, Zach, and with the things that you're talking about there. Um, you know, I, I, I which kind of leads me to another question really quick too i was curious um have you been collaborating with anybody else i know this is you and elizabeth doing a lot of this work do you have anybody else on your team at this point or or is this pretty much essentially just the two of you right now so uh yeah so elizabeth has worked been working with uh others um, okay and uh i have uh we have an advisory um we have an advisory team who also help with communications um and you know, people send send us information, but it's primarily, I guess, in the two of us. Yeah, in terms of like the stand information, it's like mostly Trev's work. You know, it's like a lot of hours working on, like you know, seven days per week. Like it's it's really hard work. In terms of yeah. the architecture, um, I have like some people help, like uh, the calculation engineer. Uh, the electrical engineer like doing like the specific calculation for like for the habitat um hmm. yeah and we have uh, it's just two three people you know working gotcha. with like this this drive. so you got a few people but but the majority of the work is is the two of you it seems yeah nice. just, i was just curious too how, how many graduate degrees do you have <laughs> i noticed one of my graduate degrees is in this oh, another one of my graduate degrees is in this <laughs> I was just curious uh, what your what your expertise is in as far as your is your education and and how extensive uh, that is. Um, well, I consider myself a lifelong learner, so my education really is separate from my schooling, which is I which I see separately. So I have one undergraduate degree and then two master's degrees, and that's just because I was uh, fortunate enough to continue in school. Um, but at the same time, I nice. I worked for a little bit as well. Um, try, but yeah, try. I can. I was going to yeah, say, Travis, ahead. you have a really interesting background. We spoke about it before, but I, I wanted to say a quick, quick little tangent about that society library thing. I was just imagining yeah. like we create this machine that takes all that data in there and um, actually like works as with an AI to like create a rendering of like what the society of the value system would produce. Like you, you like 
like we could model like anarcho-capitalism, like, oh, let's see what a free market really looks like. Let's take away all regulation and just like see this computer rendering of like a little Sim City town and like everything's on fire and there's like one giant fucking pyramid with one dude's name on it and it's like a, a fucking giant hot dog or something because that's what product person pushed to, to maximize you know and then you have your like you know sort of socialist sort of rendering and it's like things are better but there's still sort of clunky issues and things like that and then i think you you'd see really with this, this sort of system and these standards and practices in a collaborative open source you know participatory system that is sort of mediated by uh you know that's that's actually based on you know the actual carrying capacities of the region and not just the sort of raw uh, you know, democratic, you know, um, input of just people, you know, uh, I think you'd see this sort of system would create much more efficiency, much more happiness. Like I saw the other day that there is an AI that the DeepMind uh, group created for wealth redistribution. And the, the basic premise was that uh, there's groups of pe there's a group of people, and they give them some fake resources, money to distribute amongst themselves and try to create the best outcome for all. And then they do the same thing with an AI that distributes it for them. And they found that the AI was able to create an outcome that worked better for all people. And they called it a value alignment, basically, that this is there's a value alignment within AI that current the current value alignment is based on profit. I mean, if we look at uh, social media algorithms as, as the sort of most dominant AIs in our world today, or, you know, whatever those logistics and things like that systems of corporations are, but, you know, the value alignment today is profit, 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 which leads to, you know, optimizing for engagement and chaos and intentionally pissing people off. Like I love, I just, I love that uh, our moneyless society Facebook page, it blows, has blown up in a major way in part because uh, Facebook sends our content to conservatives because it knows it's going to piss them off. And they're like, they they see this content that's like, hey, you know, not everyone has to be, you know, suffer um, just to have their basic needs met, uh, and we can actually all have a little high standard of living without destroying our world. And they're like, fuck you, this is bullshit. You're a communist, and there's their common thing of that is like the only thing that could do that could actually help us. So keep doing it, keep talking shit, and talk shit in the comments if you feel like, uh, you know, we're full of shit and we're space communists or whatever. But, but yeah, uh, I just wanted to kind of like bring things full circle here, wrap things around. So like. I love it. I love the vibe. I really advise all the people watching and listening to this to just dip your head into the space of Aravana, go into that world of the standards and practices and socio-technical standards, you know, step out of this ideology, this, this naivete of all these missing steps in our thinking, you know, no matter what your perspective is, there's holes and, and flaws and steps missing in our platform of how to get there, how to build a world. But I think really this line of thinking, this train of thought, is really what's going to get us somewhere that not only gets us there, but lasts, that is really sustainable, that is really thought out and beautiful and intentional. And it, like I say, this, 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 when you speak and when I read your thing, your, your writings, it's like poetry to me because it's, it's purely efficient communication that evokes something that is so beautiful, that is so benevolent, that could save lives, that can increase creativity and innovation and all the things that make life good, that, that, that these, this, this, these systems and standards and practices, you know, these socio-technical standards, this way of thinking about our world and that we are products of our environment and that if we alter our environment and change it and design it into something that automatically creates good for us, then that, that's, that's the train of thought. That's, that's the, 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 
I'm, I'm getting, I'm losing steam here because I'm just, I'm just pissed off okay. that I'm not in that world right now. That we have to, that we have to, that we have to unpack it so much because it's so unintuitive. This way of living that you know, you look at indigenous peoples and they have this value system, but it's, and they don't need twenty thousand pages of of data to express it. They just they have a system that works it. and they do it. And and it seems complicated yeah. when you dip, dip your head into it, but once you once it's in place, once it's a part of your daily life, once the main the maintenance of socio-technical standards is as embedded in daily life as wiping your ass and doing your dishes, then I think we're really th these systems we will collectively together, collaboratively work to realize them. So my final sort of question for you is and I, I'm going to make this a presumptuous question because I want you to give us a, the goods as we as we leave here. How do we transition? What's the next step? Where do we go from here? Make us popular. <laughs> I mean, that's what I, on we're working on. Right? My mind, we're trying. we just need to spread them as far and wide. Make as us all popular. <laughs> that's our goal, definitely. <laughs> right, and, because and we need. Yeah, go, go ahead. ahead. Go sorry. Ahead. No, I was no, going to say, I was going to just, I was just going to say, if anybody, if anybody wants to learn more and really dive in deep, uh, get your books too, because they, these things are just, I mean, solid, solid, uh, documentations of the, uh, you know, processes and systems and everything that will need to be implemented. And if anybody's really interested in diving into the details, Travis here has worked out a lot of those details and he will continue to do so. And, uh, just amazing, fabulous work. Thank you. Yeah, you rock. It's oh. a pure, pure affirmation. So I can try. <laughs> I can try answer this question in terms of, of the next step of transition. So I think we need like talk with people. You know, like doing this work, like communicate, communicate with people and informing people. We have this material. We have these standards. We have this drawing and this detail and this model to construct a better society for all of us. And yeah, I think we need to just keep talking with people and like contribute, you know, to construct that. Yeah. I totally agree. Yes. We have to keep uh, pushing ourselves to get out of our box and out of our comfort space and build reciprocal relationships, build community, you know, solidarity, all those buzzwords. But they're more than that. There's so much more than that. They are the stepping stones to realizing this futuristic society that we all talk about. And uh, and it can be in our near future. It doesn't have to be in some distant Jetson type future that we may never see or our children may never see. It's just a matter of us taking what we already have at our fingertips and saying, hey, we could do this with it instead of what we're doing now, which is obviously useless and destructive. Absolutely. I, I think we can do like that in, in a short time if we will we'll work together. Yes, work together. That's the key. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for all the work that both of you do. Just incredible contributions uh, that you all have made. Can't thank you enough for taking the time to come on our show. Yes, uh, both of you. Wonderful conversations. We look forward to discussing more in the future, diving deeper into all these uh, systems. Uh, I'll be getting your new book. I didn't, I wasn't aware that there was a new one, but they, I, I'm really curious to see the, uh, the project. Um, and now that, now that I, I actually, my book too, the moneyless society, the next evolution yeah. I actually just finished that this morning. Uh, it's oh. going to the proofreaders. So that'll be out in a couple of months. Um, I'll I've send been waiting you... for that. Oh, you chose uh, that subtitle. I'm so happy about that. <laughs> yeah. I'll send you guys a copy for sure as well. And, um, but yeah, I'm looking forward to getting your new one as well. And I'll, I'll actually have more time to dive into these now that my uh you know book which is just a 
very very minimal compared compared to yours took me way too long to write also compared to the amount of voluminous work that you've done here but um yeah really looking forward to uh you know talking more in the future collaborating with you folks and th thanks again for everything to both Thank of you, you. Travis, if oh, you could, if you could just kind much. of um, get us out with one more vision, I imagine that I'm going to overlay this footage of the um, the renderings that you've created. I mean, just just kind of talk of, just give us an optimism, give us some fucking hope, man. Give us some optimism. <laughs> give us give us a vision. Paint Shine a little picture of something good of of how we can turn this mess around. Uh that's a big. Um, I I I no think pressure. I think we will. Yeah, that's a big mission. Um, <laughs> we I think. I know we will live, I don't know, I can't say I know. I'd like, I like, because I'm sort of science, so I always deal with certainties. I am highly certain that in the future, at some point in time, we will live in this type of global community environment. On the planet, in some locations, it might start first. And uh, on other locations, there might be more unfortunate suffering that occurs before we all begin uh, choosing to live in this type of environment. Uh, and I, as I said, I have a high certainty that we will. I just think that it depends upon uh, a lot of very complex factors at the present point in time. But the optimist, the most optimistic part is that we have begun we have begun, Elizabeth and I, and there are many others around the planet working on this common direction of ours. And we've begun working on uh, standards, and there are many other people on the planet working on various other necessary aspects of integration in order to bring this type of living environment for all of us about. And it will happen eventually. It's just how motivated we are in the moment, I think. It's like one more detail. And, in, <laughs> and in terms of condition, you know, because I think, mm. I don't know about That's in the US, true. but people here in Brazil is trying to survive. So how they will contribute toward our direction. So I think we need to create, yeah, we need to create the condition uh, for people to help us. No, yeah, it's, it's that. It's not just motivation, but it's also about the conditions. You know, people uh, need good conditions, you know, to contribute for community. If we're not struggling to survive, if we're not spending all of our energy on just trying to survive, then we can begin to learn what it is to thrive. We can create those conditions. But it's such a double-edged sword because we need that energy and that space to create those conditions. And we need those conditions to condition us to create those conditions. <laughs> yeah. It's true. Well, hopefully one of these days we can create those conditions to help us create those conditions. And... <laughs> yeah, I, would, I, would, I, would, I, I see. I see connecting with people like yourselves as this society, as the moneyless society. You know, we are creating that, and a society is a group of people aligning themselves to you know, creating an environment, a habitat, a community that serves them all collectively. And that's not something that we have on this planet today. We have the opposite of society. We have, you know, pyramidal structures uh, filling up like a, like, like a tick with blood that will explode and kill us all. <laughs> and we, we don't have to live like this. We can, we can choose to do things intentionally. We can choose to put thought into it. We can choose to round that hump of 
going outside of, of what is currently easy for us, which is currently destroying us, into what takes us away from this, this being automatons in our thinking toward creating systems that are automatically uh, regenerative and just just automatically increasing and, and growing and building and uh, voluminously expanding. And I, I think that I have, I have hope and optimism in talking to people like yourselves that even as the, the systems of the world, the political systems are, are just going in the wrong directions, I think that there's only so long that these ideas can be ignored. And I think that as things start to really crack up, people like us will, will have our moment. I, I, I can only I can only hope and, and and be the most vociferous advocate of that. I can only speak up and try to connect more and just try to bring these people together. And yeah, it gives me great hope to do that. That no matter what happens, we have this sort of growing family, this growing society, this growing world to transition to. So I'd like to formally welcome you to the Moneyless Society show. Please subscribe and hit the bell because we'll be releasing episodes like this every week while still uploading them to the audio platforms, as well as putting up video content and clips from the film I've been shooting all over the country. We have a great season lined up and have already shot some real banger episodes, which we'll be releasing early in audio form for our patrons. So for as little as five bucks a month, you'll get every episode with all our imperfections intact right as we record them. We'll also be rolling out higher tiers of support with exclusive movie clips, a PDF of Matt's book, which is finally finished, merch is coming soon, and we'll offer more personal ways to collect and collab on top of that. We're working hard every single day, putting all of our energy and effort into this totally grassroots, totally self-supported movement. We're blowing up every social media platform with the dankest memes from all the dark corners of the web. We're creating our own media. We're growing a thriving online community that will eventually work to make into real communities through the nonprofit that's bringing this all together into a real organization and grassroots movement to help people help people, to build the change. We aren't just talking shit with no solutions or waiting on them to make changes. We've got to do that ourselves, and we can't do that without your support. Haters talk shit in the comments, and to anybody else who really feels this in their soul and is inspired and feels like they could, this world could be, and you know how to make it happen, and you know how to help, please reach out. We need all the help we can get, and, uh, you know, we are all we've got. We're the ones we've been waiting for. Come on, people. We've got a whole world to recreate, so let's get to work. I love every single one of you. Over now.